This is Be More Caring, a project that shares the stories of individuals sleeping into, experiencing or recovering from homelessness, and the people in their lives. So obviously I'm not proud to admit it, but when I first met Derek, I was a bit uneasy. Derek looked angry. He had this long matted hair and arms that were covered in these really wicked looking sores. I can't remember the first time that Derek and I had a conversation of any real depth, although we've had many since our first meeting. What I do remember though is him telling me his name for the first time. He followed it up with, that's my real Christian name, not too many people know that one. Derek is my first interview and he had a lot to say. I was thrilled that he was so willing to chat and I think it sets a good tone for the spirit of what I hope this project will be. We'll dive into it soon, but first, a quick warning. Some of the language in this episode is a bit graphic. I opted not to bleep any of this out though in the interest of preserving the tone of the conversation. If that kind of thing bothers you, reach out to me and I'll send you some of the tamer stories. Also, as the inaugural episode, this one runs a bit long, so hunker down. All right, here we go. Meet Derek. All right, so um, what is your, your name? First name? Derek. You, you pause a little bit. What's that? Well, the, yeah, that is my real name. Okay. You know, that is my definitely my real name. Okay. Um, a lot of people in the area know me as Chuck. You know, oh, yeah, you know. You wanted it raw, so I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to keep it as honest as I can, you know. I appreciate it. I just, you know, I don't... You know, I, I don't put my name out there, you know. There's a lot of people that like to, you know, do all crazy stuff with your name. And, you know, I'm just, I'm really skeptical, you know. I'm, there's a lot of people in Baltimore, a lot of, you know, a lot of weirdos. Right. You know, so. Okay. I'll say the only one that had a You know, when they ask me if that's my real name, you know, I'll be like, no, it's Charlie, you know, or, you know, and, but, you know, I feel kind of bad, you know, lying to them, but, you know, you never know who you're talking to, you know? That's true. Especially, you know, being homeless, you know, I meet so many people every day, you know, I don't know meet a lot of people every day you know I see the same faces you know and then I see you know a ton of new faces you know I always meet a handful of new people every day every day every day every single day how, um, how are most people in general very mean really yeah they're yeah very mean like actively and openly mean to you yeah you know, it's, I guess it would be harsh to say, you know, but yeah, you know, they're, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say mean. I guess they're just cautious, you know, because I mean, homeless people have a bad name. They have a very bad reputation, you know, and People nowadays, you know, they have this image of a homeless person, you know, just being, you know, a drunk or a drug addict, a thief, a liar, or, you know, whatever. You know, they don't know, you know, the real reason why, you know, we are where we are. You know, I've met a lot of homeless people, you know, that are some of the nicest people that I've ever met, you know, and them being homeless, you know, they've turned around and actually given me money, you know? I mean, they understand the struggle, I guess you could say. It almost felt like Derek felt the need to justify some of the negative interactions he has with the people he he meets. I know that if it were me in his situation, I'd be struggling with this sense of uh, indignation. I know who I am. I'm a good person. Why won't you help me if you can? I was curious to know how Derek wished people would respond to his requests. Oh, it's easy. 
um, acknowledge me, you know, because I'm very outgoing, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and when somebody walks by me, you know, especially if it's, you know, the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, doesn't matter, you know, I'll, if I'm out on the corner panhandling, you know, I'll always say, you know, good morning, hello, how you doing, you know, God bless, and when I do, you know, I mean, I get dirty looks, I mean, hell, they won't even, you know, for the most part, they won't even look at me, you know, they won't, you know, won't even say anything, you know, and it's, it sucks, you know, and a lot of times it pisses me off, yeah. you know, but just, how do you react? I mean, that all depends on my mood, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, like, you know, I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, I'm really working on it, though, because, like, I would, a lot of times, I would, you know, dig in their ass, you know, I would say something smart, Yeah. you know, because it, I just think it's ignorant, you know, because, you know, like I said, they don't know me, you know, they don't know why I'm out here, you know, and, you know, like I said, they, you know, they're just so quick to judge, you know, and there's not one man, woman, or child on this planet that can judge, mm-hmm. you know, there's only one person that can do that, and he's not here right now. By what you mean? That's God. T.S. Eliot said, home is where we start from. I I know it's, it's a bit simplistic, but it really cuts to the quick of it. I'm talking to this man who wholeheartedly admits that this is not where he saw his path leading. I was curious as to where it all started for him. Who and where are the people in his life and what do they think about his situation? I was born in Beckley, West Virginia. Okay. And I lived there for a short while, and my family um, moved up to Maryland, and um, I've lived here for, you know, damn near my whole life. Yeah. You know, my mom was a single mom, you know, but she worked all the time, and, you know, Grandma raised me, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, so, you know, I was brought up with good work, you know, work ethic, you know, came up in the, you know, you know, church every Sunday, you know, it was, you know, it was, um, I wouldn't, you know, we did struggle, you know, I mean, when my mom met my stepfather, um, you know, they're still together, you know, they've been married a long time, and, um, you know, his name's John, you know, he's a good, you know, he's, he's a good man, you know, I feel that, um, you know, if I could get my head out of my ass and be half the man that he is, you know, I'd actually be doing something, you know, he's, he's a good man, and, um, but, you know, we did struggle, you know, he was, you know, the only one working, you know, because, um, when my mom had my brother and my sister, you know, she stopped working, you know, stay home, take care of us. And then, uh, you know, just, you know, he, um, it, it was hard, you know, living off, you know, just my dad's income and. What do you do? He is an elevator technician. Okay. And, uh, I mean, he, he made good money, but, you know, just. It's a family. It, right, it's a, you know, you, you know, you got, you know, all the bills, the rent, this, that, blah, 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 you know, it's. You know, it was hard, man. You know, there was many a nights, you know, where we didn't even eat, you know. I mean, a bunch of nights like that, man, you know, a whole bunch. And it was hard, you know. I mean, it, 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 it sucks, you know, when you hear your mom crying, you know, because there's just nothing, you know, she can do, you know. Because there's just no money at all, you know. I mean, and it wasn't like you know my mom and dad were out doing drugs and shit like that, you know. Right. You know there was just no money, you know, because they would spend everything, you know, on the little bit of food that you know we could get, you know, and, and when that was gone, that was it, you know. Had to pay the rent, you know. Had to pay the car payment, you know. Dad had to get to work, you know. So I mean, those were like absolute necessities that had to be paid you know the rent was always late all the time you know then they got 
backed up, and I mean, it was hard, man. Like, my adolescent years were pretty rough. You know, I remember, I mean, it was pretty rough, man. Yeah, especially, you know, when you go to school, you know, you don't have all the, you know, top line clothes and shit like that. You know, everybody else got nice clothes and, you know, nice shoes, you know, and they're able to, you know, buy the, you know, nice snacks in the lunch line, you know, and I'm standing there, you know, don't got nothing, you know, and fucking hand-me-down bullshit. And, you know, I got to, you know, the school fed me, you know. They had, like, this thing, you know, like, no kid would go hungry, you know what I mean? And, like, my lunch was only 30 cents, you know. They charged a dollar ten, you know. That was, like, the regular price, if I remember right. And, um... They dropped it down to a dollar ten, or thirty cents, 30 cents. and um, yeah, man, it was—it's embarrassing, you know, especially being a kid, you know. Shit was really embarrassing. Yeah. Can I ask? You said you had uh, a brother and a sister. What do they do? Um, my brother—he now—he's a mechanic. Okay. He um, he works at uh, Wind Kelly Chevrolet. Okay. And um. My baby brother, Gregory, he uh, he's actually a uh, a phenomenal plumber. Believe it or not, like I mean, who would have known? You know, we never would have you know thought that Greg would be a plumber. You know, we never would have guessed it. But come to find out, man, that's his niche, man, and he is he's really good at it, and he makes excellent money. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's got a company phone. He's got a take-home truck. I mean, he's doing really, really well for himself. And that's my baby brother. You know, he's young. He's only 24. You How know, are you? I'm 38. You know, it's, you know, that alone is embarrassing as shit. You know, my siblings should be looking up to me. You know, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a sister. You know, she's got an excellent job. She's an insurance agent. And, um, I mean, all my siblings have jobs. You know, all my siblings have their own place. All my siblings, you know, are all, well, except for Gregory, you know, they've got kids. Can I ask you, this is an uncomfortable question, but do they do they know that you're out here? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, they know every little thing, man. They, you know, they know about my drug addiction. They know about, you know, relationships that I've been in, you know, um, trouble that I've been in. I mean, they know. I mean, I don't, you know, keep my family in the dark about it. You know, it's not fair, you know, to them. You know, especially with all the help that they've given me. I mean, not necessarily my siblings, but, you know, my, my parents, more or less. You know, and I try to keep my mom informed as much as I can, you know, because, you know, she does worry, you know, I mean, this is Baltimore, man, this is, it's really dangerous here, and it's getting bad, it's getting really, really bad. It's really dangerous here, he said. That got me thinking, there are any number of dangers that could befall any of us in any minute, right? Dark alleys, illness, if we're talking about yours truly, just about any amount of time spent on an airplane. What counts as danger when you're on the streets, though? How does the reality shift for you when you don't sleep with four walls and a locked door? I mean, it's, it's horrendous. I mean... Because the area there, there where you are is... It's, it's, it seems like one of the nicer areas in Baltimore, right? Right, and, you know, that's why I'm so dumbstruck about it because this morning I woke up to firecrackers in my face. Yeah, no shit. I mean, it was a... It it was a little thing that shot sparks up, Mm -hmm. you know, and when the sparkles were done, it started exploding, you know. And the damn thing was only about 18 inches away from me. Was that around? No, I mean, it was, Christ, it was like four in the morning. And, um, you know, I wake up to that 
and um, I was pissed. Yeah. You know, I jumped up. You know, I pulled my knife out. You know, I was like, I was really ready to, you know, hurt somebody. I mean, if that damn thing would have fallen over you, you bad, that thing would have burned me. Yeah. I mean, it, like, seriously, that thing, I, I would have got, would have tore my ass up. I mean, those things are, I mean, especially if I was sleeping and right. it just, like, started shooting that shit you, in my face. Who do you, who do you feel like you can go to stuff like that happens to you? Like... Nobody. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody could give a rat's ass. I mean, I tell you, look, I was robbed. When I first got here, I was robbed at gunpoint, and they stole all my tattoo gear, and they stole a brand new pair of boots. That was gonna be my hustle. That was gonna be how I made my money. I was gonna do tattoos, and. I guess these guys, you know, were watching me, whatever, you know. When was they, that? right when I got in Baltimore. When was that? Uh, about a year and a half ago. A little bit more. And, um, they must have been watching me, something. I don't know, man, but I was walking underneath the bridge at HCH, right there, that little bridge where they have the farmer's market. And uh, these two guys, this white guy and a black guy, came um, from around the wall and approached me and one of them asked if I had a light and next thing you know, I had a pistol in my face. What'd you do? What can you do? Nothing, you know, they say kick it out, you know, what's in the bag, they snatched my bag, they looked in it, they saw all my tattoo gear, and they, I had my, you know, I was holding my boots, they snatched the boots out of my hand and left, and took care of all my shit. What would you do? After that? What was your next? Well, when they left and they, you know, I couldn't see them anymore, um, well, you know, right there's that fueling station for city or whatever. So I run over there. I was like, hey, man, I was like, you know, these two fucking guys just robbed me, you know, and the cop. I still can't fucking believe this, man. He said, sorry, man, but there's nothing we can do. Just like that. There is nothing we can do. So what do you do? Yeah, you know, chalk it up as a loss, you know. I didn't even know what to say. You know, when he told me that, I said, what do you mean there's, you know, nothing you can do, man? Like, the dudes, you know, they're, like, this just happened, like, two minutes ago. You know, like, can't you get in your car and, like, go get them, like, get my shit? You know? They're like, brother, those dudes are gone. <laughs> brother, your shit's gone. You know, they're like, you know how many people get robbed here every day? They're like, dude, you need to, you know, be more careful. And I said, man, you you got to be kidding me, man. So that's that's it. Just, I mean, that's it. That that that's all. Like, nothing. No help. Nothing. Hey, man, suck, man. You know, can't do nothing. Tell me about your last, <clears throat> excuse me, interaction with like a uh, like a social worker type person. When I was at the hospital this recent time. Yeah, how'd it go? I am, yeah, um... <sighs> it, it went well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I gotta be honest, you know, it, it went well. I mean, you know, they came in, you know, and they, you know, they told me about, you know, you know, what they could do for me and you know, there's this and this and this program, and you know, um, tried to tell me about you know drug programs and all this other stuff, and you know we can help you get your license and this that and the th or there were facilities, you know, places that could help me do that, and 
you know, it was all places that I already knew, you know, healthcare for the homeless. Um, I mean, they were just telling me, you know, there's places that, you know, I could go and, you know, they would help me, but it's all places that I already knew, so it was no big deal. You know, and then, um, I needed help paying for my, uh, my medicine, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, they were able to get it down because what had they put me on this medicine this vitamin k medicine i have to be on it for like the next three to nine months some asshole gave me rat poison so i'm sorry say that again somebody gave me rat poison when i was panhandling they gave me food and the food was laced with rat poison so yeah nice people right anyway because of that i have to take vitamin k or uh it's actually Mephiton or Mephiton or something like that. Same thing, vitamin K. And um, I have to take this medication for the next three to nine months because of this. The medication for seven days is $1,000 for one week, seven days. Pre-insurance pre or after that, insurance? Um, this is um, this is without insurance. Okay. It's a thousand dollars for seven days. Right. My insurance covered everything but sixty-eight bucks. Mm -hmm. I told you know I told the social worker you know I can't afford that you know I'd be lucky if I make that in two weeks. You know what I mean? I panhandle. You know I get right. dollars at a time. You know if that I get change. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't make no money. Right. You know sixty-eight bucks would last me you know two months. You know, I can stretch $10 from here to North Avenue, you know? But I told the social worker, you know, there's no way in hell. There, there's just no way I can afford this, you know? No way at all. And so she talked, you know, they had this big meeting in my room, you know, my doctors, you know, the blood specialist, the social worker, um, uh, these other people and they had a conference call with the insurance company and the lady had to get the manager her supervisor on the phone and they author she was able to get it down to $18 a week and you know that's where I'm at now you know will not go any lower, don't ask, it's just not happening. Like, that is the absolute lowest it can go. And, um, so, I mean, I've been doing okay with it, you know, so far, you know, but it has not been easy, man. You know, I have to beg and plead, and it sucks. It's a pain in the ass, you know, but if I don't have it I'll bleed out literally I will bleed out as I mentioned earlier when I first met Derek he had these awful looking sores on his arms over time I noticed they were getting worse he eventually told me that he'd be gone for a few days because he was checking into a hospital when I saw him next he shared the story that he just shared with you Rat poison works by breaking down the clotting elements of your blood. Essentially, it kills rats by making them bleed to death internally. So, you know, pretty excruciating. It was, it was horrendous. You know, I mean, I, I don't have it now. You know, I'm, I still have to get my money now. You know, well, I've got to get $16. I've got to, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, look, because I don't have it, I mean, look, you can see it. Yeah. You know, it's already starting. You know, that's how serious it is. It, like, it's, it's sick, man. It's crazy. Because somebody was bored, you know, and they thought that it would be funny to put rat poison in my food. Like, that's crazy. Derek's life is chock full of risk. When you're hungry and have to balance that hunger against the concern that the food you're being offered is laced with something that might kill you, how can you trust anyone? Also, I was curious... It was an awkward question, but assuming this wasn't how he saw his life going, when was the moment in his life that 
things took a turn towards this direction. What's up, fellas? Which one of you fine gentlemen would like to give a veteran a cigarette? Uh, I would, since I'm the only guy smoking here. <laughs> well, thank you there, kind sir. You're welcome. I see it's, you know, that makes me feel good, you know? Like, that guy doesn't judge, you know what I mean? Just a nice dude. I have asked people for cigarettes before, man. They'll tell me, you know, get a job. I mean, you know, I can understand it. Like, yeah, I want a job, hell yeah, you know? I mean, standing on the corner panhandling, it sucks. Like, it sucks. Has it, has it just been the last year and a half? That I've panhandled, yeah. yeah. You know, I've been homeless. You know, for some time, you know, my own choice. But assuming that this is not how you saw life going, can you think of the moment where things kind of took that turn toward this direction? Yeah. <sighs> I lost a very important person in my life you know I mean I've lost a lot of people in my life I mean a lot of people that I've genuinely cared for when um when she died I mean that was you know that was that was Probably my breaking point. That was, that was the major turn. That's when everything stopped. I mean, I stopped everything. I didn't, I didn't care about nothing. I mean, nobody. I mean, not even myself. You know, I started abusing things that I shouldn't have and that led to other things worse things you know and then I ended up being an IV heroin user and um, when that happened you know that really you know took control and took me down a really nasty way of life. I mean, it was, it was horrendous. I mean, it's, that stuff, you know, it had me, I mean, it just had me, I mean, it, words just can't explain it, man. Like, you just lose all feeling for everything. I mean, just people you love. I mean, your friends, family. I mean, your job. I mean, you just don't care. I mean, all you, all you're worried about is that, and that's it. You know, nothing else matters. You do anything and everything to get it, no matter what. You know, you will lie, steal. I mean, to anybody. It, you know, doesn't matter. I mean, once I started doing that. My life went out of control so fast. I mean, it made my head spin. And that was all. So that, that, that loss of that person. Right, yeah. I mean, you know. Mask who that person was. It was my wife. You know, I genuinely loved her, you know, and that was the. That was the one person that um, that I have ever loved, you know, outside, you know, my family, you know, on an intimate level, you know. I was with her for damn near 13 years of my life, and that's a long time to be with somebody. You know, that's a really long time to be with somebody, and then to just have that taken away from you, you know, it's... It's pretty hard, you know, some people, you know, handle death better than others.
you know, some people handle, you know, handle it you know, worse, whatever, you know. It really fucked me up bad. I mean, to the point where I started sticking myself with a, a needle, you know. I never thought I would do that. I never in a million years, man. I mean, I had buddies that were doing that shit, and I would talk so much shit on them. You know, I would, man, how, why, you know, why are you doing this, dude? Like, what the hell is the matter with you, you know? I mean, sitting there ragging on these dudes, you know? And next thing you know, I'm right there with them. <laughs> Where are we going to get the next shit, you know? And then, you know, they're like, oh, man, so-and-so just died off of this shit. And, dude, our dumbasses are running to go buy it. You know? Like, it's... It's sick, you know, like, the disease of addiction is, I mean, it's horrendous. It is absolutely horrendous. And being homeless with an addiction, <laughs> it's like walking through the pits of hell. You know, I mean, when you have no job, you know, no income, but you're a drug addict? Like what do you do? Exactly. What do you do? Anything and everything to get money. I'm Like I said, you will lie, steal, sell your firstborn. It doesn't matter, man. I mean, I have seen some horrendous shit. I have seen some crazy shit. I've seen... I have seen friends. I mean... I've seen boyfriend, girlfriend rob each other, straight up. I have seen a girl go in her boyfriend's pants while he was sleeping and stole everything out of his pants and then disappeared for a week. Came back, they made up, she turned right around and did it again. And like, this was his wife married. I mean, they had rings and the whole shit. This is his wife. And she was robbing his ass blind. I've seen buddies, friends that have been friends for years, fist fight and one would get knocked out and they'd go straight in their pockets and rob them. Take their money, take their drugs, everything. And they're best friends. I mean, just like that. I mean, like it's nothing. I would be in a dope hole and there'd be a guy, you know, in there, and he's, you know, this guy's buying 40-some bills, whatever. You know, he's getting a whole rack of shit. You got these two junkies, you know, in back of line that heard and saw what he got. They leave the line, and they go hide, you know, they go around the corner. They wait for him, and they will rob that motherfucker blind. They will beat the shit out of him and take everything he has. Car, keys, wallet, doesn't matter. It, it's pretty bad, man. It's really, really bad. You know, that's why I got on the methadone program because, you know, I didn't want myself getting to that point. You know, I, I hated begging for the money. You know, that, that's bad enough. So... Methadone clinics. What image first pops into your head when you think of methadone clinics? Okay, let me set the scene. It's a Tuesday night. You're driving down a city street. You pull in front of a building as the traffic light turns red and see a group of people milling about. You suddenly realize that you're in front of a methadone clinic. What do you do? Lock the doors? I know I have. But why? I know absolutely nothing about what happens behind those doors. I don't know anything about how they determine who to accept into the program or how the drugs administered or what safeguards are in place. I leapt at the chance to chat with Derek about this program that has a really complicated relationship with Baltimore City. How long have you been part of the methadone program? Um, this go around, uh, I think I'm three days over two months. You know, so I mean, I'm doing all right. You know, I've had a couple little slips here and there, but nothing major, you know? I mean, I think out of like, Oh, 60-some, uh, 
yeah, like 62 or 61 days. I think I've only had three or four slips. I mean, that's not bad, man. That's pretty good, I think. You know, nothing major, man. I mean. What do you think about the program? Oh, man, I love it. Wow. I mean, it's, it's saving my life, man. Like, it's, I mean, you know, I've got a counselor who, uh, you know, she genuinely cares, man. You know, you know how you, you just tell, you know, you can just get that vibe from somebody that, like, that, like, listens to you, you know, and, like. They're invested. Right, exactly, you know. And I get that from her. And her name is Robin. I mean, and, and she's, you know, phenomenal, man. She is way super awesome. And um, I've liked her from Jump Street, you know. As soon as I met her, you know, I liked her. And um, she uh, she has definitely played a major role in my recovery. And um, I'm really thankful, you know, that she's my counselor. You know, and I tell her that all the time, you know. And um, we always, you know, every morning when I go in there, you know, I'll sit down with her, you know, for a couple of minutes. You know, we don't even have an appointment, you know. And, you know, we just chit-chat, talk, bullshit, you know. I'll ask her how her morning's going, you know, and... I like that, you know, because it's, you know, it's a good way to start my day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, you know, and, um, she, um, you know, she, she's, she's really awesome, man. She's really smart. You know, she, um, we had some speed bumps when, uh, when I first enrolled. And, um, you know, with the ID and, you know, my insurance had lapsed on the first of this year. So I didn't have insurance. Mm -hmm. And, um. Thank God, Amy was with me. And uh, who's Amy? If I may ask. Amy is one of my regulars. Okay. And Amy actually paid for the first three weeks of my treatment at ninety-one dollars a week. You know, until my insurance kicked back in. You know, and I mean, I'm, I'm just so thankful. You know that I have these people in my life. Your regulars. Yeah, you know. I mean, these are people that, you know, didn't know me from Adam. And they actually took the time to talk to me, you know, and get to know me. And one thing led to the next, you know, and I see them all the time. You know, they, they bring me food, you know, they bring me coffee. I mean, they all know that I love coffee, you know. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they're always happy to see me. And, and I'm always happy to see them, you know. They always put me in a good mood. You know, it's, you know, I, you know, I don't have many people that I talk to, you know, especially openly, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really don't, you know, when I'm not with anybody, my guard is just, it's up so high, you know, I mean, it's gotta it, be, it's gotta be. Yeah, yeah. you know, but when they come around, I can just let it go and just be myself. It just feels good, man, you know, to know that I've got people like that in my life. You know, I mean, Amy always checks on me, you know. I mean, she took me, I mean, after um, after we got all those speed bumps, you know, figured out, um, Amy took me to lunch, then she took me to Marshall's and bought me new clothes, and you know, this bag that I have, this bag was $80, man, for a book bag, you know. <laughs> and I mean, she's, you know, she just spent all this money, you know, like it's nothing. You know, it's it, it doesn't mean anything to her. Like she gets the her she gets the satisfaction, you know, out of helping somebody. You know, I wish there was more people like her around. You know, I mean, when I went to her birthday party, um, uh, we went to this restaurant and I got to meet her family, and you know, they're all just as cool as she is. You know. I don't remember the name of it. It was a like a vegan type of restaurant. Okay. okay. Um, but it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was fantastic. The food was fantastic. It was becoming clear to me that Derek really values the relationships in his life. He spoke about each of these individuals with this warmth that was almost palpable. His entire body language changed as he told these stories. I of course wanted to hear more. Let's talk about let's talk about you, you refer to them as regulars. So you mentioned before we came and sat down, uh, 
guy at the Seven Eleven giving you coffee. Yeah, they um, yeah, that Seven Eleven. You know, that's like my go-to store. Mm-hmm. Um, I know every one of the guys that works there. Um, I like every one of them, and they like me. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the one kid in there, um, Paul. He's a younger kid. Um, he's only been working there for about two weeks, and um, <laughs> he he has always seen me on my corner. I mean, he's seen me there for months, and he just started working at the Seven Eleven. And every morning, man, you know, when he gets off, he man, he shows up with a big bag of donuts, you know, and a hot coffee. I mean, you know, what I mean, these people, you know, they like me, you know, and like. When I'm down there, you know, I'll, I'll pick up the trash. You know, the store owner likes me, you know. If I'm having a, you know, a shitty day, you know, and I'm not making any money, you know, I can go, you know, I can go in there and um, let him know. And, um, you know, they'll give me a drink, you know, lunch, whatever, you know. And that's whenever I need it, you know, but I don't exploit it. Yeah. You know, I only do that when I absolutely have to. And it's usually when it's bad weather, you know, because a lot of times, like, if it's raining, you know, people don't want to put their window down, you know. It's, you know, God forbid they get wet, you know. So, but, I mean, you know, it's, I like that store, man. You know, they're just, they're really nice. You know, they don't judge me, not in the least, you know, not at all. They never have. I mean, even before I got clean. You know, I mean, I look like stir-fried shit. I mean, I looked horrendous. I stunk. I mean, my hair was a mess. I mean, I had mats in my hair. I mean, it was bad. I was a mess. And, um, I was tired of, I mean, I was just tired of living, you know, looking like that. I had to make a change. I really did, you know, because, you know, it was going to kill me. I mean, it really was. I mean, I was on a fast track to death. I was doing a lot of dope. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if, I wouldn't say suicide or no crazy shit like that. Because, I mean, I would never consider that. At one point in my life, I did, but... Not now. I mean, why I was doing so much, I really don't know. I don't know. I just was. I mean, I just didn't care. I mean, I really didn't. I just didn't give a shit. You know, I just felt like, you know, I was getting nowhere, you know, especially when nobody would help, you know, standing out on that corner all day long and make five or six bucks. Like, that's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Standing out on that corner for 12, 14 hours a day. That sucks, man. That really sucks. Can you, can you tell me about your, um, like an average day, start to finish? Well, I mean, it's really easy, you know? I'm an early bird. I wake up about 5 o'clock in the morning. About 5.15, I've got all my stuff packed up, and I'm walking right down Charles Street, and I stop at my store, 7-Eleven, and I get my coffee every morning. I mean, I have, I've been I'm doing it forever since I've been on Charles Street. And um, I stop there, and they always know to have Colombian coffee or I'll pitch a fit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get my coffee, and I go to my program. And by about 5.30, 5.45, I'm at my program, and I get my dose by about 6 30 um you know because i'll sit there and i'll talk to you know robin for a minute and um by about 6 30 i'm on my corner and um i catch my early morning regulars you know and start my day um by about nine o'clock i've got a few dollars and then i'll usually come down back to 7-eleven i'll get another coffee drink you know maybe something to eat um, sometimes I'll run into somebody and they'll buy me breakfast and um, go back to my corner, you know. Um, 
I give Amy a little bit of my money that I make every day, and um, she holds it for me because I want to save and eventually go to back to Florida or whatever. You know, I just want to have something. You know, a nest egg. Just if like something happens, you know, I've got a little something. You know, and um, I don't touch it for nothing. I mean, nothing. And um, I don't know what I'm going to use it on. I mean, I don't even have that much in now, but, you know, that's what I try to do. Yeah, once the day winds down, you know what I mean? I usually see her in the evening time or whatever. And, you know, I'll give her, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I got, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's never much, man, you know, but if, like, the situation does arise where, like, I need it, you know, then I have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I just, you know, I don't, I don't make nothing, you know, and if I have a good day, you know, I might venture down to the harbor and treat myself to five guys or something. I mean, Christ almighty, man, that's like 11 bucks just for a lunch. 11 bucks? Hell yeah. I mean, Mikoshe's, man, I love their food, man. They have got some phenomenal food. Yeah, I've never been. Oh man, Mick I walk by it every day. Yeah, Micker Chase has got some phenomenal food, man. But a hamburger and fries, I mean, which is like, I mean, that's my shit, you know. I'm a steak and potatoes kind of guy, man, you know. So, um, a hamburger and fries is damn near 12 bucks. Just for a hamburger and fries, man, 12 bucks. It might take me four hours to make that. You know, and people think that I'm, you know, running off and doing all this other bullshit. I mean, no. You know, it's hard, it's hard, you know, to make money just to eat, man. You know, it's a fucking pain in the ass. You know, that's why when, you know, people offer to buy me something to eat, I'm all over it, you know? They think, you know, they think I'm going to turn around and be like, Oh, no, uh, no, just give me the money. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's go, right. you know? If I need money, I'm going to tell you I need money, you know? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bullshit you. I mean, I just don't have time for it, man, you know? I really don't. Baltimore City. Whatever categories we fit into, whatever differences we might have, we all share the common link of this striking, complicated, and often misunderstood city. As we move forward, I'm hoping to share a glimpse into a part of Baltimore that has equally striking, complicated, and misunderstood components. It only seemed fitting to ask Derek what his Baltimore is. My Baltimore is a vicious, vicious place. Because I live on the darker side of Baltimore. Homeless man, you know. That's why I came to Charles Street because the people are a little nicer for the most part, you know. People are, you know, relatively nice. Um, I feel that it's one of the safer areas in Baltimore. Um, And everything is here, you know? Everything that I need is is right here, you know? I don't have to venture far. What do you need? Well, I'm working with, you know, certain, you know, certain people that I'm working with, like, um, the guy, Nate, that's helping me with my benefits from the military and my housing, um, you know, he's right down on Green Street by the university, um, you know, uh, the VA's right there on Green Street. You know, I've got, you know, if I have to get dental work done, you know, I've got HCH, you know, right down the street. You know, I've got restaurants, 7-Eleven. 
I mean, everything is just right here, man, you know? Everything is, is just right here. If I need, you know, whatever. I mean, it's all right here. I mean, Christ, I mean, I, you know, I only need five bucks to get my MTA card, you know, a replacement MTA card. You know, you've got, Christ, you've got Social Security building right over there on 1010 Park Avenue, you know. Um, what is it? Uh, social services isn't, isn't much farther than that. That's right on what, Biddle Street, I think? You know, everything is relatively close. You know, I really don't have to venture too, too far. You know, and if I want to, you know, relax and just take a day to myself, you know, I can walk, what, six or seven blocks down to the harbor. You know, and I can go down there and relax. You know, everything is just close. You know, and I have... I've settled, I think I've settled in relatively well. I've met a lot of good people, you know, and a lot of people, I mean, they, you know, they enjoy, you know, they enjoy me and they enjoy my company. And um, I like being here. Have a good night. But, you know, it's just getting, it's getting bad, you know, just. And that's why Florida is. Yeah. That's why Florida's on my mind, you know, because I've never had this problem. Like, these kids run around here and, you know, they want to just fuck with the homeless. You know, like, it's funny. But it it's not funny at all to me. I mean, don't these kids have something better to do? I mean, don't they have girls to chase around or something? You know, I know when I was their age, man, I was chasing skirt. You know what I mean? I was running around with my homeboys chasing women. Going to, you know, concerts and, you know, parties and shit like that. You know, I wasn't running around Frederick City picking on a homeless man. That's crazy, you know? That's, to me, that's preying on the weak. And... It's just unacceptable. And it's really going to be upsetting when one of these, I mean, these homeless guys are, I mean, some of these guys are dangerous. Like, they're really dangerous, man. Like, some of these guys have got serious mental issues. That's why they're fucking homeless, you know? That's why they're out here. They're fucked up. I mean, I know a guy, man. He's a drunk. I mean, he is such a wicked alcoholic. This guy, he will tear your head clean off. I mean, if you so much as look at him wrong. And he's a big guy. He is a complete nutbag. Well, so that's complicated, right? How do you on one hand ask for people to be more compassionate and open to discussion and on the other hand, acknowledge that there are people who might be a danger to approach. I was curious to hear Derek's opinion on the matter. They think we're all like that. So what do you, I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, you described them that way just now. I mean, I can't blame them. I really can't. I mean, as much as I want to, I can't. Because that's just the way I mean, there's a lot of homeless guys out there, yeah, that are doing cruddy shit. And it's because of those, you know, that we've got a bad name. Not all homeless people are bad, man. I mean, there's a really good majority of, of homeless people that are good people. I mean, I know a family that's out here. A family. Husband, wife, and son. How old's the son? He's in his 30s. Her name is Cricket. Well, they call her Cricket. And, um... 
She, um, she's probably one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. She is so sweet. She has a heart of gold. She only knew me for like two or three days. And at the time I was in full blown addiction. And I was sitting on the corner and she was walking by. I was so sick. I was dope sick. And she was walking by. Yeah, I didn't, I was ill. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any heroin. So I was sick and um, she knew it. I mean, she saw it all over me, man. I was sweating bullets. I mean, throwing up, I, mean, man, I was bad. It was, it, was, it was awful, but she knew it. And she had only known me for two or three days, man. And she, she got me, grabbed me up. She's like, you know, you know come if you, you know, can you make it, you know, she took me and got me well. Spent money on me and got me well. She's homeless herself. Homeless herself. She had to stand out and panhandle that money and spent that money on me. A homeless lady. I mean, she got something for herself, obviously, but she helped me. She could have, you know, she really didn't know me for nothing. And she turned... Right, I mean, no hesitation, man. And just like that. I mean, just like that. Baltimore's awesome. Okay. It really is, man. I mean, there's just things that just need to be addressed. You know, I mean, Baltimore is awesome. I mean, there's never a dull moment. There really isn't, man. There is always something going on. I mean, it doesn't matter what time it is. I mean, there's always something going on. I mean, there's there's so much to do. I mean, so many places to go, things to see, people to meet. You know, that's, you know, you know, I, I like meeting people, you know. It's just, I mean, there's, there's thousands of them everywhere, every day. You know, I mean, like I said, man, I meet so many people every day, man. I mean, I always see my regulars, you know, every morning, you know, they're going to work, you know, and they always see me, you know, and then I see new people, you know, and I like to meet them, say hello, how are you, blah, 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 you know, some talk, some don't. Why did you, uh, why did you agree to talk to me? Well, Well, you're my friend, you know, first off, you know, and I know you're going to do something good with this. And I hope that, I really hope that it, you know, gets the attention of some people that can actually take it somewhere. You know, I mean, I just wish the public was just more aware you know, of how serious this issue is. You know, I mean, some people, some people like this lifestyle, but majority of us don't. You know, we can't stand it, you know, and we really do wish that we could get off the street. Derek, opened up for us. He talked about his past tragedies, difficulties and struggles. He he was candid in a way that I absolutely was not expecting. As we wrapped up our chat, I asked him if there was anything he wanted to pass on to our listeners. If he thought they might be able to make a change or add more volume to his voice. Yeah. And it's real easy to understand. Don't be so quick to judge. Take the, you know, take the time to, you 
you get to know somebody, you know, because you, you never, you never know, you know, who you might meet, you know. Just don't be so quick to judge somebody, especially someone who is less fortunate than you. Derek, my man, I appreciate it. This afternoon, on my walk home from work, Derek walked up to me with a, my man, and gave me a hug. He's not exactly a hugger, so I was a bit taken aback. Turns out that just this afternoon, he was informed that the VA had secured housing for him here in Baltimore via a voucher program set aside to help our nation's veterans. I'm hoping to touch base with him once he's settled in. When I have an update, maybe we can circle back. If you'd like to know more about Derek or how to help him, reach out and I'll see if he's okay with being contacted. All right, folks, that's that. Episode number one, done and done. I'm looking forward to seeing where this project goes, and I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Derek's story. Please, if you heard anything that interested you or just appreciate the idea of this project, like, share, and comment. I really want to keep this going. And the easiest way for me to do that is to know that people are enjoying the interviews. So don't be shy. This has been Be More Caring. Thanks for being part of the solution.